In 2021, Talk About It Outdoors partnered with an industry-leading brand that has stamped its name on the outdoor industry. Cruiser Saddles in itself stands on perfection, and with every climb we make, we elevate ourselves above the rest. In addition to a support to our hunting journey, the men and women behind Cruiser believe in the same principles of life as us. Faith, family, and the blessings of being better as they go in every sit. If your desire to pursue your passions one step ahead of the rest, go ahead and get in the best. Check them out on all the socials or head over to their website at www.cruiser.com. That's C-R-U-Z-R.com. And tell them to talk about it outdoors, boys, and Chasing Weekends sent you their way. The journey of life has a unique way of being able to create tried and true friendships as we go. In forming those relationships, oftentimes good things come to follow. Talk About It Outdoors is proudly supported by Cal Hardy of Arrowhead Land Company. Cal is the leading broker over Georgia and is happy to assist you with finding the place where you can call home. With vast knowledge and an understanding of the ever-evolving real estate market and a unique old-school approach to everything he does, he exemplifies what it means to treat others like you'd want to be treated. Don't settle for being just another number in a phone. Choose Cal Hardy for all your land, home, and commercial real estate needs and become a part of his family. We sure are blessed to have him as a part of ours. Find him on Facebook, Instagram, or give him a call at 770-296-2163. Step back to the times when a feed store was more than just that, and the people inside smiled with friendly faces and provided a place for a talk on life, as well as all your essential farm, livestock, and pet needs. Cherokee Feed the Seed located in Ball Ground, Georgia, with an additional location in Gainesville, are the hometown supplier of all your cattle, equine, and pet needs, with the added addition of being able to keep your deer herd healthy with protein and minerals. They also carry an assortment of hunting blinds and gear, and you can rest easy knowing the people that support local ball clubs and children's sports are who your hard-earned money is going to. The people here greet you with a handshake and a smile, and Cherokee Feed and Seed give more than just a product. They give you a welcome that'll make you return time and time again. Stop in next time you're in the area and tell them you're part of the Talk About It Outdoors family. A few years back, when an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Building the foundation of your life starts at the base, and the stronger it is, the better. 
Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. Ready, Nick? Let's do it. All right, everybody, talk about it outdoors. Coming to you live from the Cruiser Saddle Studio once again. Ma'am, we got the old returning OG turkey hunter, turkey master himself, the Penhody Nation leader, Mr. Dave Owens. is coming back for episode 205. You better pull up a chair and set a while, get your notebooks out. Nick's going to hit him with some good ones tonight. This is going to be fun. I don't know why that I get so excited when I turn that music on episode after episode after episode and I think next time I'm just going to let you open it up so I ain't so doggone excited. <laughs> I wouldn't know what to say. <laughs> I'd have to open it up with a question. <laughs> well, episode 24, episode 55, two of our best episodes ever yep. and now episode 205 and we've seen him since the episode happened several, several times. That was back in 2021 when we had him on. We had him on for a short session uh, back in the hundreds and uh, now we got him back on again. So without further ado, like I said, the Penhody Nation leader, he has become a fabled hero and probably of turkey lore that will last forever. Dave Owens, welcome back to Talk About It Outdoors. It's a pleasure to be back, guys. How you guys doing? Well, we're we're doing good. Nick's been licking his wounds all week after he got that he got that butt whooping down there at that calling competition. So, you man, you finish you finish you finishing the top five among that crowd, buddy. You better be patting yourself on the back. Yeah, he was he was definitely patting himself on the back, and rightfully so. He's done done some really good stuff, and I know he's over picking your brain. I hope you gave him plenty of tips because <laughs> he was probably thinking, "What the heck is this guy bothering me for?" But I was trying to. I don't know. You just try to learn in this game so much. There's so much to learn and so much to pick up on. I think each time I go, I pick up something. So, you know, I, I was going to well, tell you. Start, you, you start, yeah, you're starting in the right angle, knowing that it's a game, and, and knowing that there's a there's a it's a game, and you just got to figure it out like everything else when it comes to that competitive calling stuff. It's a it's a game that you got to kind of got to wiggle yourself into the, knowing the ins and outs of. That's right. I was going to text you guys the other day and tell y'all that. You know, I felt like a I felt like a young Kevin Harvick behind Jeff Gordon and uh, Dale Earnhardt. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you I'll let you guys decipher which one was which. <laughs> well, Kerry's got to be Dale Earnhardt. He's got to. Now you may not like old Gordon. Uh, he won a lot of stuff for a lot of years. He was he was he was a good one. Yeah. And he he is a no good doubt. That is a good way to look at that. I hadn't even thought about that. You're a lot more like Jimmy Johnson though. Okay. You're gonna be okay. Jimmy Johnson. Okay. 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 I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> Oh, me. Well, Dave, like I said, appreciate you coming back and doing this with us. Uh, we saw you this past weekend. It was a great time, as always, to get to catch up with you and see you, you know, get another win. And, and as as you've went through this calling thing over the years, and, and I think that's kind of what the direction we want to focus on today. We've talked turkey hunting with you. You know, we've talked 
all the ins and outs of that, but maybe we can talk calling competitions and you know how your transition from bottom to top and beginning to end, and I know it's not the end by any stretch, but to where you're at in your career with it, how that's came. And so, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Nick hit you with a bunch of questions, and I've got a few myself. So I, I want to get something out. I want to get something out of the way, first and foremost. So, Dave, you probably don't even know this story, and I was going to tell you down there this past weekend, but I didn't really want to bring it up. So let's rewind all the way back to spring 2023. So we're I'm at work. I'm at work. You get everybody here at this table that you can't see. Dave is at work, and I get a random text message from Dave Owens. It said, "Hey, how do you know this Sam guy?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Are you following me, Dave?" Okay, yeah. Okay, you're at the you're at the KT team hunt. You guys have already knocked down two. Oh. Yeah, okay. Two I know tur- where this is going. Yeah. Okay, yeah. You've dar- I was lost there for a second. Yeah, you've already yep. knocked down two turkeys with this beautiful yep. young girl. And I get this random mm-hmm. text that said, Who is this Sam guy and how do you know him? And, and what kind of guy is <laughs> yep. he? I'm thought I, so my first yep. initial thought was, What in the hell did Sam do <laughs> <laughs> that I don't that I don't know about? And then it's kind of like picking questions like I I feel like you're saying something I'm answering and I didn't know where it was going to go. And I call Cody and I call Alex and I'm like, Sam's messed up. Sam's messed up. We're, we're in the shit house. He's, he's going to get his ass whooped. <laughs> so I, I just, I had to get that out there for Sam. Cause I know him and Cheyenne will listen to this, but yeah. And, yeah. And- yeah. No, we got, uh, me and Zach and I, we, we take, uh, we take special interest in those KT team girls and, and, uh, Cheyenne had been there with us. We were giving her a hard time, and we started peeling back some layers of the onion, I guess you can say. And she she was texting somebody, and we got to this Sam guy's name, and was like, "Hey, you know, we need to we need to sniff this guy out because <laughs> you know we're, we're protective of them of them KT team girls." And so uh, I, we were half giving her a hard time, half not, because she was in the truck behind us, and me and Zach had the podcast that y'all directed us to queued up trying to learn this guy. But uh, as you, as I'm sure you guys are well aware, they're now engaged and well on their way in life. So obviously he, he, he must've been a pretty good guy. That's exactly right. And and we've talked about this (laughs) often, how a podcast, you know, we, we had Sam, a guy that went on a bear hunt with Sam on, and then we decided to get Sam on. And then of course our relationship with the KT team and everything came full circle. They met at Nashville at our booth and how a little old podcast has led to, you know, hopefully a, a long and prosperous and happy marriage for Sam and Cheyenne. Yeah, absolutely. She, yep. We, uh, and as a matter of fact, she sent us a text message of like, I guess he liked me enough because we were going back and around and around in our little, you know, giving her heck and picking at her and, we were like, you sure he likes you enough or something? I can't remember what the conversation was, but I remember she, yeah, heck, it wasn't too long ago. She sent Zach and I a picture in our little group message. It said, I guess he liked me enough, and it was a picture of the ring. And so congratulations to them. And, yeah, that's funny. I didn't know where you were going with that conversation. <laughs> yeah. I completely forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. crap, what did I – did I send him a send him a message? It was supposed to go to somebody else. No, 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 we uh, Hope we wasn't a picture. <laughs> <laughs> no, we uh, we actually thought that Sam had done something uh, not too good. So, no, it yeah, was no. It, you, I think it was. I think you called me, Nick, and you like, what well, has he done? Something? I don't know. We need we, we need we need to jerk a knot in his tail. Yes, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> like, what no, I said. No, we're just we're just feeling him out because he, he's apparently caught the eye of one of our KT team girls over here in Cheyenne and. We just we just like filling it out, filling things out. We like to take care of them, so we are we are protective of those of our girls, Zach and I. We uh, 
you know, we've got uh, McKenzie the same way. You know, I mean, those those girls that come through there and go on those hunts with us, you get you get a special bond with them, and and you keep up with them and their families and everything. So it was just a, it was just a, a little bit of us picking, but there was a little bit of truth to it. We we take care of those girls. That's right. And speaking of McKenzie, if anybody's listening to this, it keeps up with your stuff on KT team. Y'all just send a prayer up for her because she's been in the hospital for a while now. Yeah. Yep. So. Tough road and tough tough battle. She's she's been fighting it for a long time and she's she's in the throes of it right now. So you're right. We all need to need to remember her in our prayers. That's right. Ain't it ain't it special how far that KT team has came and, and what they've been able to do for so many people. I mean, Dave, you've been involved with it for man. for a lot of you know, since the inauguration. Then of course we came in the next yep. year after that and the, the the joy and the the sheer gratitude that people that are involved with that show and i'm talking about the people that are involved in it from both sides everyone is so just just filled with this sense of pride about yeah. it. that kt team and, and it showed up in you know down there at that calling contest this week mm-hmm. i mean there was a mm-hmm. ton of kt team involved people there of course angie and yeah, carrie were sure. there and chris was there and he's part of the kt team <clears> and you and dave and us and i mean it's just it's yep. a long long list of people that do so much for that and if you don't know what yeah, it is, if you yeah. listen to this show, please go over and check out the ktteam.org. They've got a lot of videos that are on YouTube, and they've got, of course, their Facebook and, and Instagram pages. And you can see some special hunts with uh, with Dave this year. I'm sure on your series you're going to have the, the KT team yep. hunt. And, of course, we've got our oh, yeah. our hunt with Jason and um, the uh, the time we got to spend with KT <laughs> down there in that swamp. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They got some big swamps down there now big time and there's there's probably a lot of people listening to this show and hopefully they'll listen to it but they understand i want you i want to thank you too i don't think we ever got to thank you dave for helping us share that fox vest because you know that all that money went to the kt team once we got it raised up so um yeah fantastic and kudos to you guys for doing doing such uh you know doing such a, a selfless uh Something like that for them because, uh, yeah, I mean, I was got involved with them way, way at the ground level, way, way back when. And, um, I mean, you just don't find better people. They just don't make them. Uh, I mean, selfless people, uh, salt-of-the-earth people. I mean, and you're right. You go down there, myself included, you go down there thinking that you're doing somebody a favor. You think you're doing something, you know, doing your selfless deed or doing your good deed. And you go down there and you leave and you're the one that's blessed every single time. So, um, I've, uh, tried to encourage people to get involved with the KT team. And I, and I tell them when I say this, and I'm like, Hey, you know, go down there thinking that you're going to be going to do a good deed. That's fine. That's fine. If you think that when you leave the house, you're going to go down there, do a good deed, help these people out. And you are, but I promise when you leave your, your whole idea behind what they're doing down there is going to be different. Um, they're blessing people on both sides of the coin and, um, it happens every single time. There's not a single time I don't leave one of their functions that I don't know. You just uh, there's a sense of gratitude about everybody that comes through the door, um, whether they're coming or leaving. So um, it's a it's a special group of folks and a special organization for sure. That's right. You're exactly right. Well, let's get into uh, let's get into some calling contest stuff. I like to talk calling, and then I'd like to get on. Of course, everybody listening, we're gonna get into some turkey hunting here towards the back end but good. but dave when you started when you started this road of turkey calling i mean i, I imagine you started hunting first and and i i've probably listened to every pod, podcast you have out there but i've never really heard you touch much on your calling contest you know achievements or anything like that so when i guess going all the way back when did you start doing that man i was kind of late to the game you know most of the guys that are 
that are accomplished in the in the calling thing they kind of came up through the juniors and the intermediates and you know the whole uh little trial of, of becoming a competition caller um i guess it was because i didn't really you know i kind of got into i don't think i got into turkey hunting late per se it's just that i didn't have any mentors so i didn't have anyone to even you know barely knew what the nwtf was um you know just more or less started chasing turkeys off of the vhs's and and uh magazines and whatnot so the calling competitions weren't something that was uh, i don't know just didn't know about them but what i did was i started living with a mouth yelper in my mouth and buying everything that walmart would put on their shelves or trying to talk somebody into buying everything that you know was out there and just kind of got somewhat accomplished at it um i remember i had an old i think it was hs strut i know matt moret was the was the um the host there on this this learning how to use a mouth call vhs and they had some little computer generated like diagrams and graphics that showed where your tongue was supposed to be and 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 whatnot and um learned how to you know use a mouth yelper and just lived with one for for so long um remember I had an old dentist in town and he was the only guy that I knew that turkey hunted and I'd go to him and he, he was uh my stepmom's boss because uh, she was a dental assistant for him and so I'd go to him and boy I'd be all energetic to go kind of show him my calls and, and you know listen to this listen to this and I remember I'd go in there and I'd go through a whole little rendition with fly downs and yelps and cuts and whatever and I remember doing it one day and you know giving him my best and the only thing he just leaned over at me and said you cluck and purr sounds good and just turned and walked off. And I thought, well, crap, you know, that ain't, I was looking for a little more than that. You know, what about everything else I just did? But, um, I don't know. And then, you know, as I got older, I practiced more and just, like I said, lived with that yelper in my mouth and got to chasing turkeys around and kind of gotten to live with them probably more than most and becoming infatuated with the vocabulary and the dialogue and, and everything that goes along with it and wanting to get better. And, um, you know, started carrying that dog on camera around, which now plagues my life, um, recording audio and, and, and living by trying to just get better. And I was always that kid that could hear something and replicate it pretty doggone close. So whether it be a heliated woodpecker or goose or whatever, I'd always hear and I could replicate it pretty quick. So it just came natural to me. Everybody was always, you know, what about these calling competitions? You need to get involved in these calling competitions. And I was, ah, you know, I don't know, getting out there in front of a bunch of people and trying to sound like an animal just doesn't, doesn't appeal unless you really kind of look into it. But, um, I just did. I was probably, I guess it was probably 20, let's see, probably 2012, 2012, 2011, 2012, something like that. When I started, I got into my first calling competition. It was up there at the Georgia state. I think it was at Unicoi. I think it's when I killed it up at Unicoi and, uh, KT won it. I remember watching him, him win that thing. Uh, he won the Georgia State competition that year, and uh, I got my butt handed to me. Um, I, I did make the cut up there. That's that's when they had a cut at the state competition. I did make the cut. Now, granted, it was only 13 callers, and they kept 12, but by golly, I made the cut. Uh, <laughs> one poor soul. <laughs> but, yeah, one poor soul. Um, you know the feeling there. By but, the way, uh, we beat one out, so I, I'm good. I, know, <laughs> I, I can relate there. <laughs> <laughs> we we're going to take all victories, even the small ones, right? <laughs> but, uh, shoot, man, I got up there and got my butt royally whooped and was running around and with my feelings on my sleeve, you know, and uh, it was KT, man. It was KT that came up to me and says, hey, buddy, um, 
you headed to Nashville. You, you got a Nashville sound, he said. And no, we're not talking about a country music artist here, but he told me I had a Nashville sound. And I was like, what do you mean? He said, are you going to Nashville? I said, yes, sir. I'm going to the convention. You know, he said, well, you, you know, are you calling? I was like, well, no, sir. I, I, I haven't qualified. I got to qualify to go to Nashville. I didn't know that much. And he said, well, you just need to keep doing what you're doing. You got a Nashville sound. And I was like, well, heck, you know, after just getting my face busted in by all these guys up there and I listened to them call and they didn't call near as good as I did, in my opinion, here again, the turkey calling thing is a game. Um, I thought, man, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm, I'm back to the drawing board because I finished way at the bottom of the pile. Um, I went to a, but I was like, man, the guy that won it, which I didn't know KT from Adam, you know what I mean? I'm so, but he's like, the guy that won it told me that I had a good sound. So he gave me the motivation to not throw my calls in the trash. So um, circling back around, my involvement with the KT team, which came a few years later or several years later, he didn't know it, but he was concrete in that thing then. Because if it wasn't for him, who knows if I would be where I'm at now, especially in the competition calling side of things. Um, because that was day one. That was the first time I ever walked up on stage nervous as a cat in a room full of rocking chairs, you know. And this guy tells me that I had a Nashville sound and he didn't know me and I didn't know him. Um, here years later, he comes asking me for a favor to uh, to be a part of this organization that they've started. Of course, <laughs> who am I to say no to the man who – probably put the wind beneath my wings in the, in the competition world, which at that time I was starting to have some success in. So anyways, that was 20, like I said, 11, 2012, uh, went to a contest. I think a couple of weeks later they had one up in like, maybe it was Dalton or somewhere and, um, placed second to Joe Drake. Um, I beat somebody in a call off. I can't remember who it was and play second to Joe Drake. And that was the first year that NWTS allowed you to call in the uh, preliminaries. If you place second to an already qualified contestant. So that qualified me for Nashville. So I'd be doggone if I didn't take my happy butt up there to Nashville that very year, that next February. And <laughs> I made the cut. So it's all kind of went from there. <clears throat> so you've made the cut every year since then? Oh no, there was two years I got I got humbled. Um Okay. That's what kind of where I found out for me practicing isn't you got some guys that just practice, practice, practice. They run calls literally three hundred and sixty five days a year. Um I know guys that live with a mouth call in their mouth. That does not do me favors. That's what I did those two years that's when i met chubbs he and i and he was in the competition calling things he had won alabama state a couple times and he and i really said man together man we could put our heads together we could really figure this competition thing out well that was the two years that i didn't make the cut and after that second year i looked at him i said hey boss i'd be glad to help you but i'm done with you i mean you ain't talking no more about competition calling because i was doing pretty doggone good i think i was three for three me and you hook up and i ain't made it since so I'm keeping my calls to myself. I'm not taking your input no more. So. <laughs> oh, now is that because is that because he was listening to you telling you critique stuff, or you guys were building calls in a different way? No, I think a little bit of both. We weren't really building calls any different. Uh, I think we were just overcomplicating the process. We were critiquing ourselves too much, um, and just practicing too much. Really, I'm one of those that just kind of. Um, I'm much better as long as I good as long as I have good calls. Then I'm much better. Just saying, okay, my calls are good. Let's set them down. 
and let's just, you know, go on about life and just pick them up a week or two before the contest and then sharpen up. That works better for me uh, because it'll become a head game for me if I, if I don't. Um, I, at that time, I wasn't. We, we were blowing calls. He lived right next door. We were blowing calls every dog on night, and we were tweaking this, tweaking that, running root, different routines, really over overcomplicating the whole process. Um, and for me, somebody who's literally lived with turkeys and, and studied them and and is infatuated with everything they do, I don't really have to over critique a routine. I can just get up there and just kind of put myself there, and it works better for me. Here again, that's just me. Right. Um, so anyways, so when we parted ways, I started making the cut again that next year and, and me and him don't talk turkey calling no more. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you, you made a, a point there that overcomplicating the process can hurt and it's as, it's a mental game as much as anything. Do you think that uh, your advice to someone that's coming up in the ranks would be to find a, a solid mentor? Maybe Chubbs wasn't the right mentor for you to call with or is it just to kind of – focus on the turkey more as opposed to focus on the calling? Um, uh, yes and no. Um, you can't, you've got to focus on turkeys, obviously, to get your sound. Uh, but once you get your sound, that's that's your sound. I mean, people try their best to change it. Um, Dave Owens can use a combo cut, a bat wing, or a ghost yelper, and I guarantee you're going to probably be able to tell us Dave Owens on any any because you just have your sound. It'll have a little bit of difference, and you can tweak it here and there. But once you find your sound, um, and like I said, um, frankly, that's what we were doing once upon a time when Chubbs and I kind of combined our heads. I was like, I have tons of turkey audio. I have tons of turkey video. And I went through there and picked me out a hen. And when I came to the stage presence, I said, I'm going to do exactly what she does. So if one of those judges say, oh, it didn't sound turkey, I'm going to say, well, bull crap. And I'm going to pull her up on my phone and let him listen to her. Say, this is, I did this verbatim. That's what I did. And I got my butt whooped for two years in a row. And I thought, okay, we ain't doing that no more because the competition stuff is, there is a game component to it because you are calling to the human ear. You've got to sound like a turkey, but you've also got to present it in a way to where the judges almost feel like they've already heard it before. Um, so it's something they're familiar with. So it's kind of, it, it's a game. Uh, you get a sound that's your sound. You perfect it and you, you and you um, polish it, make sure it's clean. But then you figure out how to put it out there to where it's something that the judges are somewhat familiar with. And um, they'll score that from what I've found. I could be lying to y'all. I could go up there and get my butt whooped like, you know, like anybody else. But that's just what's worked for me. No, I mean, I've heard just in recent history is I've started to pay a lot more attention to this turkey calling stuff. It's it's common sayings from the best in the, the business to ever do it that cadence trumps turkey in turkey calling competition. With the exception of a fly down, because there's a fly down for any direction you could go with it. There's all different kinds mm-hmm. that, that win, whether it's on friction or mouth calls or whatever. But there's there's that common between all judges they want to hear that cadence and i think where something that that i've learned just in the short time that i've been able to listen to you call it's your cadence is also built up by your your calling ability and how you build the front end and i know that's something that's a lot different some people just go up there and run eight yelp stop eight yelp stop eight yelp stop and then they sit down on that call whereas someone like you or some of the others that are that are doing it at a high level will build up a different sequence or they'll build up a different, you know, um, 
series of, of calls before they actually go into it. And it's been pretty neat to kind of see how the different people that do it. And you hit the nail on the head with the judge thing. Every judge is going to have a different ear. And we talked about that. You and I did, Nick. You're like, you got to find out what those judges want to hear. And I'm like, well, how the hell am I supposed to know what they want to hear? I, you know, I don't have a clue. I I'm just going to go up there and try to not look like a dummy and try to call this, make yeah. this call, not squeak and screw up. But I think a yeah. lot of times you said the mental game, it gets in your head and it does. That's a, whew, it's, that's a, it's a silent room. It's different than anything you'll ever do because the people ain't cheering for you. They're dead silent and they're looking a hole through you. Well, that's an- yep, absolutely. And there's always nerves. You can practice as much as you want to at home, but when it comes to that stage, your nerves are going to get you. And everybody's like, man, I can't wait till I do this enough to where the nerves don't, don't get me. Well, when you get there, tell me because I ain't got there yet and I've done it for a bit. Um, you just learn to call with them. You know what I mean? You just learn to to get to a place to where your nerves don't interfere with the calling. You're going to shake. You watch me, these videos of me doing assembly yelps or whatever, you're going to watch my hand tremble like nobody's business. Like, you know, I mean, you know, you get up there, you get to cutting, you're going to have spit slinging, and, and you're like, oh, my God, these people are watching me. You're just going to have to not care. I mean, you get up there clucking and purring, your, your hands, I put them usually behind my back because they're shaking so much because your nerves are just – it just is what it is. It's just, just the, uh, you know, I don't care how familiar you are or how comfortable you are talking in front of a crowd or having people's tr- eyes trained on you. Um, when you're up there making sounds of an animal, I don't know. It's just different. <laughs> well, that's um, I don't have problems typically talking to people or whatever. You get up there uh, with the lights on you. And I'm not, honestly, it's worse in the small rooms. It's worse when you're, you know, at arms reach away from everybody. The, the grand national stage, you got the lights in your eyes. You, you honestly, you can't see anything. So it's a, it's a more comfortable process for me getting up there on that big stage. You get up there, you take a deep breath, and you're you're on your own. It's almost like you're in your own kitchen. But those small competitions to where everybody's in the chairs, the room's small, um, nerves will always be there. You just learn to call with them. Yeah, Nick and I have had conversations talking about going back to the judges and all that, you know, he'll call me and he asked all of us as most people I think would probably do like what sound, you know, I got these three calls, which one sounds. And I finally told him, I was like, man, they all sound good to me. I would just do what you're comfortable with, you know, because mm-hmm. what I may like too, the judge may not, you know, the judges may hear completely different. So, and it's, it's funny because yeah. go to the competition and I'll be like, Oh, that guy won. Out there, and then he finishes on way down. I'm like, what the heck, you know? So it's, yeah, there's a it's definitely a game, like you said. I literally sent a clip of the same calling sequence to three different people for prime. I knew what I'd done on there, but I sent it to three different people, and three different people gave me three different answers on what I needed to do better at, and everyone gave me, oh, that sounded good, but this didn't sound good. One person was the most consistent across it, and I won't say his name on here, but he was the most consistent across where I feel like I could improve on it. So you got to play the ear. Yeah, yeah, it's always uh, and it's it's it's, um, it's an opinion piece. I mean, man, what my hand sounds like might be different than what somebody else's hand sounds like. Like what I like to hear, I like to hear that 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 screechy front end. I like to hear a good bass and a yelp. That's the yelp that I like. Um, I don't like a little puny yelp. I, I like something to have some body to it. Um, I like an, I like my cutting to be pitchy. Um, that's the hen that I have in my head that I try to replicate. If a judge is back there and he likes the hen that's all bass and doesn't have much of a front end and he likes to hear that dead rasp uh, cutting, it's not going to score me well. But that's just kind of the, the, the game that we play. You just kind of 
cross your fingers that you get a judge that's got an ear that's similar to yours and um, try to do something across the board that uh, is acceptable, even if it's not the sound that they want to hear, it's the presentation that'll kind of catch them off guard and they have to score it at least decent so that they don't just completely kill you and knock you out of the running. Yeah, I've I've thought about this and I've had a conversation. <clears throat> Isn't it funny how like you guys, you know, when you get to this level, you know, you do practice and you, you get comfortable and, and you're trying to sound so perfect, no slips, no, you know, no mess ups. And I know you can attest to this, Dave, you know, I've heard some hens in the woods that sound it sounds like somebody on an old $10 scratch box down there in the woods. And you're like, that ain't no way that's a hen making that noise. Yep. And then she pops over the hill and it's, it sounds nothing like what, you know, you try to project on stage. It's just, it's just funny to me how in the real world of turkeys, they make some weird noises, you know, they might have a sore throat or something. Yeah. yeah. They got, my thing is, is it all gets back to that cadence piece you talked about earlier. They may sound from one end of the spectrum to the other. Some, one of them may sound like a wing bone clean, uh, two-tone yelping. One of them may be dead grass. One of them may be a little puny sound. One of them may be I have all the bass in the world, but that cadence is pretty consistent. So like you said, like, man, my hen may be different uh, than, say, uh, Jesse Martin or Matt Van Sice or J.R. Lanham or jo- Josh Grossenbacher. Like, my hen that I hear may be different. The one that I'm trying to replicate may be different. But if you listen on that stage, the cadence is pretty doggone consistent because that's what's across the board similar in turkeys from south florida to maine i mean that that cadence is still just kind of similar so if, as long as you stay in those parameters um i think you can get away with a, with a lot as far as your sound goes like your sound quality um because we're all a different hen you know we all have different voices so let me ask this first question i'll, I'll lead into the next question the first one is i i, I drawed last year i wanted that the, um god dang i'm getting tongue-tied um i got qualified for this year so i'll be calling up there in the prelims what's the best piece of mm-hmm. advice for myself that you could give me calling in the prelims what i have found and i am a terrible so don't so do as i say not as i do <laughs> i am I, the most the more confident you are like the more confident you are in you know what your call is going to do. You're confident in your call. You're confident you have a call that's not going to flip. The more confident you are, the better you can control your nerves and the less likely you are to have that slip. Um, all we can do is go in there and ask for a clean run. If I go up there and I have a clean run and it doesn't get scored and I don't make the cut or whatever, then I can live with that because I know I put my best foot forward. I didn't screw up. And I just did. I just didn't have it that day. I didn't have what they wanted to hear that day. Where I beat myself up is if I go up there, and I don't have a call that I'm familiar, or I'm, I'm not as comfortable with, or I just have a slip or something to where I feel like I beat myself, and then I'll run with my tail tucked and kind of beat myself up. Um, that's the only thing I can do is just to say, just you know, just be confident in whatever. It kind of goes back to what you guys were saying just a while ago. Um, have a call that you're comfortable in. I mean, I don't think. As long as you have a, a good sound, a good, decent sound, it's better to have a polished run than have your reed flip or, or, or whatever. Because, a, you know, a reed flip is going to cut you for – if every point, if every judge, all seven judges takes a point from you, there's a lot of room in a, in a, in a finals, you know, run down for seven points to take you way to the bottom. So um, that's, that's my best piece of advice is just be confident in what you're using 
And like I said, do as I say, not as I do, because I'll be going up there going, gosh, I should have ran a call for that, you know. <laughs> do you, now, do you go up there beforehand and get some practice on that stage? I mean, I'm sure you've done it so many times, but does it sound different up there? And I'm asking this for my own it's my own self. There's, there's a lot of guys that do. Um, I don't stress on that. Like, I, I don't stress because I figure once I, once I show up, I've got what I've got. If it ain't enough, it ain't going to be enough tomorrow either. So <laughs> right. I don't get on fair – I don't get on that stage and and dance around, and I'm not one to I'm not one to figure out where I'm gonna call on stage. Oh, it's six <laughs> inches this way, five inches this way. No, I don't do that because if I'm up there, I walk to the edge of the stage and I give it to the judges. Like I'm gonna give it to them so they can dang sure hear it because I'm I'm there to give them the best that I got. If I screw up, then that's just the way it is. What I don't want to happen is to have a good run and me not put it to them so that they could hear it well enough. Gotcha. Um. So what I want to make sure that I do is give it to them so that they can hear plenty of it. So I'm usually one of the guys that walks straight to the curtain and I parade back and forth like a peacock until I'm done. So are you still do you still have like a drive like when you get there I'm sure you do you're a competitive person like anyone else. When you get to that Nashville stage Dave are you still like I'm coming for you Matt? Yeah man. I mean it, that's 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 just the way it works, you know. Um I will say the drive's not there um the booth and the brand and wanting to be there for the folks that are coming to the booth to hang out and chat and talk about the videos and this and that. I will say that that is fun. Um, and the calling demands so much attention, like, cause we do the team, you know, the air friction Zach and I do on Friday morning. Then you got the prelims that take all of Friday evening. So basically I'm out of the booth all day, Friday, Saturday, if you're lucky enough to make the cut, um, the pre, the, you know, the, the finals aren't till the, to the evening, but I mean, your nerves are in such a knot, you ain't worth a flip all day. So Saturday's about a wash. I get to go do a little bit of, you know, uh, hanging out on Saturday, but I will say that the calling stuff, considering the success of the brand and, and wanting to meet the folks that are coming down there to hang out with Pinhoti project guys, um, uh, has taken a little bit. It's kind of distracted me from the calling thing a little bit, but, um, but yeah, man, if I'm going on stage and I'm I'm cutting a check for my entry fee, I'm I'm there to I'm there to beat the next guy, you know. Um, but you do you, you get you get up there, and I'm sure you guys have already picked up on this. Like you get up there and you cheer for each other. You do, um, man. I like seeing there. There's some guys up there that I'd like to see win as as much as I like to see myself. You know, um, there's a couple guys up there that deserve it um, that haven't gotten it before. Um, and even the guys that have gotten it before, man, that they deserve it because they work at it. They hone their craft and the turkey calling is what they do. Like that is them. Um, and man, it's good seeing anybody that works so hard at a craft, whether it be, you know, flipping welding or basket weaving or turkey calling. It's just good to see somebody that's infatuated with something that works really hard at it, see success at it. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a cheerleader for a lot of those guys up there as well but I don't mean I ain't up there trying to beat them. So. <laughs> right, good for you. I have a question about Nashville, and I just thought of this, and I don't know if it plays into it, but I can attest to this because this will be Nick's first year, but at these shows, you know, you do a lot of talking, you know, to fans and people just conversating. Do you ever worry, and I don't even know if it plays into it, so I'm generally asking, do you ever worry because I've seen Nick lose his voice by the end of the show? Does that play into – like, because I've never – dealt with that like you know do you ever do you ever have yeah. that in the back in your mind like man i need yeah, to kind of sure. be easy on my voice yep 
Yep, absolutely. Uh, I don't know if it would affect the turkey calling much. I've never had it affect my my turkey calling much. I'm assuming that it would. Um, uh, dang sure affect your owl hooting, which I, you know, because I've, I've I've had a sore throat and not been able to owl hoot in the mornings for when I'm hunting. But as far as turkey calling and delivering air, I'm assuming that it could. I've never had it, but I know I wind up sick as shit every year after that Nashville show. So I'm assuming you get up there and you're vomiting and coughing. It ain't going to be good when you're on stage. Like I was this past weekend. Y'all saw me up there. I was sick dang three weeks ago and I still just like the 30 day cough or whatever they got it. Like I'm fine. I'm, 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 I don't feel bad, but I just can't get rid of this little cough. And I'm up on stage and having to, having to kind of clear my throat and stuff before I, uh, run through my fly down because i'm like this will be good you know let's let's cough along about half halfway off the limb and see how that what works out for us <laughs> i just thought you know maybe if your vocal cords got swollen from stuff or whatever talking your air delivery might not be the same and might mess with you so nick we're gonna put you on Very well cool. up there. <laughs> i'd stay in the dang room you ain't you ain't getting out and singing dinosaur the night before on your 12 ounce curls i can tell you that it ain't gonna happen now you just you just stay out of them water glasses for you until saturday night when we're celebrating yeah. y'all need to attack the other guys yeah. not me yeah. no. you want to avoid that headache until after you get out of that room full of calls i promise you while we're while we're on the the idea of Nashville and the uh, calling competition, Dave, I got two questions here. Um, the first one is, who is your favorite caller to see compete? Who is the one person you love to see get out there and compete? If there is one in particular, hadn't been able to see him in the last couple of years, but if you guys were there when when Jason Jason Beard was able to get out there and do that team uh, competition with uh with KT, I still have the video of that that I want to work something up with. Uh, that was the most fun I've had at that con- at the at the Grand Nationals. Because uh, that's the dream of him to get up on that of his to get up on that stage, and for that to be a possibility, man, it was it was pretty flipping cool. Um, so yeah, he's by far the favorite guy I've ever watched watched walk across that stage for sure. Um, but there's so many guys that are so appreciative of that stage and appreciate that uh, the traditions of that uh, that contest uh it's it's fun to see everybody get a bit humbled on that stage regardless of how many times they've been able to do it but um as far as the, the other competitors i mean if anybody's not in awe when matt van size walks across that stage they they've <laughs> they ought to figure out how to what a turkey sounds like because the dude just lives and breathes it and uh he's got a sound that's just just daggone it you know what i mean he's um there. he's there man and he's he's he never misses like that's that's as he don't miss. Um, that's a true sign of somebody who works at their craft is somebody that don't miss. Um, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch. Is there one that you hate to see walk into a calling competition? I know you're a competitive guy, so you get, is there one that just like, golly, I can't believe that joker's here today. I'm really going to have to bring it. <laughs> Once upon a time there was, cause I wanted to win them, but now like it, I, I try to seek out those competitions that I feel like there's going to be more of those type, type guys show up for because like like everybody, every time Matt wins again and again and again, they're like, man, ain't you ready for him to retire? I'm like, heck no, man, because if I win it, I want to know I won the best. And I think it's a – I think it is a great honor to be literally calling in the day and age of the best who have ever done it. So I find it a privilege to be able to share stage with folks like him. Um, and if I won it, you know, when I did win it, I beat him. And I mean, that's what I like to do. Like, I want to know that if I, I did good, then I beat the best that there there was and has ever been. So, 
It's happened once, but it ain't happened again. So <laughs> well, there's a guy coming out of North Georgia here, <laughs> bringing the coming with it, huh? <laughs> bringing the heat, bringing well, carrying a big stick, huh? <laughs> oh, <laughs> we got We got to give it. We got to give give him pump up oh, and keep nice. him pumped up over here, Dave. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Dave, let me get off turkey. Let me get off calling competition real quick. I want to get if you got a little bit longer. Um, you got it, man. Ever since last year, and I don't know what episode it was, and we go as far down this rabbit hole as you want to go, if if it's okay with you. And basically, behind this, what I'm about to ask you is, there's an episode that you put out last year, and I don't know what state you're in, but you were hunting by yourself. And ever since I watched that episode, I wanted to, I wanted you to kind of touch on it a little bit, and I'll get to it in a second, but. Um, a lot of people out here watch your stuff and, and I've been guilty of it. And I'm sure a lot of other guys have, it's like, man, it must, you know, it must be nice. You know, I would love to just be able to quit my job and hunt through Turkey season. And I'm don't take that the wrong way. What I'm getting at is, but I watched you against that tree and you killed this Turkey one morning and you basically lean back against that tree. And I, and I, maybe this is not word for word. You basically like, I gave up everything to do this. And it, and it almost like you had a tear in your eye and, I don't know if you remember that episode or what I'm talking about. And it, it happened a lot. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not know that specific one, but yeah, yeah. go ahead. But you, you just basically was just like, I gave all this up. And, and I guess what I want you to kind of explain to people that maybe want to do what you're doing or try to chase that stuff that like, it, it's not all, you know, sunshine and rainbows out there, you know, and just touch on some of those points. Like there's probably times you've missed birthday parties or, you know, Easter or something like that. You know what I mean? And, and I, again, you don't have to go too deep if you don't want to, but like you've, you've kind of set yourself in this position to sacrifice a lot throughout your life. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. I think the old saying is you made your bed. Now you got to lay in it. Right. Um, something that when, you know, when I picked up my first one by the feet about, you know, how many ever years ago that was, I think I was about 14, 15 years old when I, when I killed my first one, I think uh, I think I was 14, killed my first one. It was 15 when I yelped one up, and he came up there looking for me, and I killed him, and I picked him up by my feet, and I thought, man, this this shit right here just screwed me up. <laughs> um, little did I know how bad it had screwed me up. Um, but, yeah, everything else from that moment forward, whether it was January, July, decisions were made to make myself available for those spring seasons. And then – the whole traveling and holy crap, I can make spring a lot longer than, you know, I, we were in Georgia. So we had the longest spring season of anybody, um, but they would still only allow you to kill three. Um, and then I figured out that I could start season almost a whole month early by going down to going down to Florida. So, I mean, I did just, you know, one, one layer was, you know, peeled back and it allowed me to extend the season on the front end. And then one layer peeled back and ex- you know, I was allowed to extend the season on the rear end and, Next thing you know, my seasons were 90 days long and, you know, you could, you could find a new tag here, find a new tag here. And so that just bloomed into life being even more consumed with just the, uh, just the chase and the journey and the adventure and the hunt. And, um, and yeah, man, I mean, (laughs) I was supposed to be a dentist. I can't remember if you, I don't know if you guys know that I, I went to UGA and got a, got a biology degree of all things and pre-dental intentions and applied to dental school a couple times and as I was applying to dental school I had a a gig where I was making a little money and and allowed me to travel a little more than since I didn't have the obligations of of uh of college you know so 
that's when the traveling thing really began to blossom because of availability. Uh, next thing I know, I was like, man, you know, four more years of schooling, huh? That's going to be pretty demanding during the spring. And I've got a little taste of this traveling and living out of my truck and living out of a cooler and shooting turkeys from here to yonder. I don't know if I can do without that now. So um, I started making myself valuable to my boss and so valuable that he couldn't say no if I wanted to take two or three or four or five weeks off during the spring. Like he couldn't say no because going without me the other you know, eight months, nine months of the of the year was it's just not an option. So, um, when people I get questions quite regularly, how do you travel like you do? How are you? I was like, well, you, first off, you got to find, you know, a boss or a, or a profession that allows you that availability. And the way I did that when I started was making myself so valuable, making myself he couldn't he couldn't fire me like he couldn't like it it just didn't make sense. He would never be able to replace me. Um, so that allowed me to hunt every single morning before work um, and then take, you know, anywhere from four to six weeks off during the spring to where I could just go off and, and leave and not have to come back. Um, so I did that. Um, and then, you know, one thing left led to another and I guess the grass is always green on the other side, or at least to me, I'm like, Oh, it could just be better. You know, the amount of people that told me I was a fool for leaving that gig and doing what I do now and I looked in the mirror quite a bit, don't get me wrong, when I was like, man, you are an idiot. You make plenty of money. You get to travel like this. You get this amount of availability. You have, you know, a, a good, solid place to live. You know, you, you've got it going on. Why would you chance it and do this? But um, still the hardest decision I've ever made. But, man, I wouldn't I wouldn't take what I do now for the world. Um, and just like you said, it, it's my dream. But um, and it, it, it may be the dream for a lot of other folks, too. But um it's a little bit different once you get in the life like once you do it and that's that's all you do um there's there's different things i mean it's it's not for everybody and i think if everybody that wanted this you know to do what i do if they did it for us for a year then you know what i think i'm 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 better off hunting my 30 or 40 days and and uh and watching this guy do it the rest because you know everything else in life takes a takes a takes a toll on everything in life so um you know um i, I think being that, an airplane pilot wouldn't be so bad you know <laughs> I, I i think that's what you know and not just your show but all these other shows like you get this persona of someone that comes off as like man that's what i want to do that's what i want to do and heck we uh, just us we, we go for a week vacation or not a vacation but like illinois deer hunting every year after seven days, we're like, heck with this crap. I'm ready to get home, <laughs> right. you know, and, and, yeah. and wind down. But then again, you know, like I just, I, I've always wondered, like, like if you were, if you try to explain that to people again, I don't think you, like you just said, you don't regret it. But again, th- there's probably a lot of things that you've missed out on, like birthday parties or, uh, you know, gatherings or reunions or whatever like that, that could be going on that you're like, sorry, yeah, sorry guys, I'm, I'm doing this thing. This is this is my, this is my job, you know? So yeah, um, yeah. there you are. And, and, and I'm sure it goes back to a lot of other people's career, but um, I don't know. I just kind of wanted to ask you ever since that episode, cause I could see that like, there's a sense of you. It came off that episode. Like, man, I kind of wish I was at home. That's the way I felt when I watched it. Yeah. It's just a, it's just a, um, people don't realize the sacrifices. Like you said, everybody sees the life. They want to travel. They want to hunt here. They want to hunt 15 or 20 States of spring. Like that seems so, um, I mean, it's just sexy at the, at the, at the, at the 
surface level. It's just, but then you figure out the sacrifices that it requires. Um, a lot of lonely days, you know what I mean? Um, people think those lonely days are, are easy. Um, they're not, I mean, they're not there. There's a lot of lonely days and, and, uh, self-reflection happens on the road where you're like, man, is this really as good as I thought it was? You know, that kind of stuff. But then in those moments when high on Ridgetop and I get to work with one and I get to, you know, uh, work it out, win, lose or draw. I'm like, you know what, this, this is why I do this. Like this feeling is why I do this. Like I will balance the rest of life the best I can. And we're still learning as we go. You know, I'm, I'm still learning as I go, you know, I've, I've made changes and I accommodate things and I try my best to, um, be somewhat normal, but it, this, uh, this life is, is this, this unique and, uh, there's no, uh, I don't guess anybody's life comes with a, with a playbook on how you're supposed to do it, but I don't know. This one is, uh, not many folks I can ask for advice on how you post a turkey hunt 95 days and, and still have a normal life when you get back home. You know, I may leave home and golly, you know, I may not be there for a month and I get back and crap's going to ride and I didn't even know when to ride. You know what I mean? So, um, it's, it's different, but, uh, you know, learning as you go and trying to become better every day, trying to do what I do better, trying to be a better person, uh, just all around trying to improve it. Anything we can. Do you feel like Dave that you've, uh, I guess you, I don't know what you want to call it. You've kind of, you're kind of on a pedestal now in the turkey hunting world. Do you feel like you have to watch every little P and P's and Q's that you do now? Man, you, you, you're under a microscope. You know what I mean? Uh, we're all under a microscope to a, to a certain degree, but yeah, just, um, you're under a microscope. You just got to make sure that you don't want to portray yourself or, or give any type of, uh, you, you want to put your best foot forward because you want everybody that's trying to imitate you or trying to do as you do. You're serving as a, uh, an example for some folks. Um, you want to do it the right way. You want them to do it the right way. You don't ever want to falter or, or, or misstep. Um, but that's anybody, regardless of whether there's a camera around, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to put my best foot forward, always trying to serve as an example. You never know who's watching. Um, but you got a camera in your face. You're pretty dang sure folks gonna see it. So you gotta, um, you know, just what's, what's the old saying? Um, uh, integrity is what, you know, what you do when no one's watching, you know? So, um, just try to live by that motto, you know? Yeah. And I think that the, the big thing about where you're at now is you have a sense of, of urgency in your life where you're going through this whole turkey season and it's got to be a fast paced journey from start to finish. And at the end of it, do you ever just sit back and go, what just happened? You know, <laughs> what, what just happened this spring or where, where, do you, and then you, yeah. but you get to relive that through the videos, through the editing side of it. You go back and like, dang, I don't even remember seeing that elk bugling in the background or hear it or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it, so I guess you get those, those moments through it uh, all the time. Yeah, man, it's really fun because things get so hectic to watch. And it's, 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 I had a moment a couple of years ago where I was hunting with a guy in Utah and he was a, he was a big game hunter, but he had never really been, he had even turkey hunted, but he had never experienced turkey hunting the way I turkey hunted. And me and the guys that filled our tags, had a couple extra days and said, Hey man, you got a general season tag? Like, I do. And I was like, you want to go? We heard another gobbler that I think needs some attention up in this mountain. He's like, heck yeah, man, just jumped all over it. So we took him up there that next morning, had a fantastic hunt, 
killed an old sneaky turkey that was just a good one. I mean, just a good one. He just took some, he took some thinking to get him killed, you know, and um, wasn't, you know, wasn't quite as textbook as, as you would like for it to be, but killed him. He was a good turkey. And I just remember like his emotions were on his face when he shot that turkey. And I remember reviewing that footage and hearing him say something to the effect of if everybody could do it, I've killed turkeys and I've hunted turkeys. But if everybody could do it the way y'all do it, if they could do it, if they could experience this, they would never do it any other way. This rivals any bull elk. This rivals anything that I've done if they just did it your way. And that just hit me, and I'm like, man, you just don't know the effects that you have on other people. Like you, That's why you've just got to always make sure you put your best foot forward present this 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 game or sport or whatever it is that we're doing here uh always make sure you're uh putting your best face forward you're always presenting it to the non-hunting public you're presenting it to new hunters you're presenting it to um you know even you know somebody that may not be a veteran to the to the craft i mean you're always putting your best foot forward so that you you know you're, you're portraying everything exactly how it needs to be portrayed um uh, you know, the whole turkey hunting, just like, I mean, the waterfowl is real bad about kind of taking the, the the admiration for the resource. They're kind of trying to, they kind of take it, they kind of take it, um, becomes a murder scene, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It comes a little bit more about the killing than it does about the chase. And that's kind of the, what I wanted to get away from, from day one was um, I wanted to make sure that we were, we were getting lost in the journey and not the kill itself. Um, I don't want to get too sentimental and, and, uh, you know, dress this thing to up too much. Cause when I put my boots on, I'm looking to kill him. I mean, that's just the, the <laughs> fact of the matter, but, but it's the journey that I'm thirsty for. It's not the blood on my hands. It's not the pretty pictures. Um, it's the journey that I want to get lost in. And it's the journey that I don't want everybody to lose, uh, when they're, when they're just concerned about killing him. Um, because, I mean, when, when you, you very rarely remember the picture, you take the picture so you don't forget, but you very rarely remember the picture, but you can obviously remember much about the journey. So that's what I want people to kind of soak soak in is the, is the journey that it took to get there. So He ain't chasing that smoke out of the end of the gun barrel. He's chasing that smoke against a big oak tree somewhere, Nick. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> I was about to say, they could, they could track Dave Owens during the spring with uh... – cheap cigar sales across the nation <laughs> oh, have you got a cigar sponsor yet dave i haven't man no we're still smoking cheap swishers um somebody said why don't you come out with a penhody cigar and i thought well I, I bet there's some kind of legality to that for me to be able to sell them on online on having to confirm that everybody's 18 years or older before they buy them or whatnot so we'll probably leave that for for Swisher on those sales. He's probably turned more uh, turkey hunters green than any biscuit or gas station biscuit in the in the country <laughs> over them cigars. I'm going to smoke me one. Yeah, you yeah. only smoke one. I guarantee you that. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they asked me what kind of cigars, the man, the cheap ones. If I smoked a real cigar, man, you'd, leave, you'd, find, you'd have to come recover me. You'd have to <laughs> fly me out of there. That's oh. funny. Nick, you got some rapid fire for Dave Owens. Man, I wrote a few down while you're just sitting here asking questions. <laughs> we got a new they're, thing we're doing. They're way off the wall, though. <laughs> we got a new thing we're doing. Nick started this one with uh, with episode 200 when we had Chipper Jones on, and he, uh, he he hit him with it, and it's been a fun segment we've done. We hadn't got a chance to do it with you yet, though, so if you're up for it, Nick's got some rapid fire for you. 
Let's do it, man. I can't promise I'm gonna have all the answers, but I can try. <laughs> well, oh, you'll have these answers. It's it's either or, so you just yeah. pick one or the other. Like, all right. Like turkeys or deer hunting, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> y'all uh, want to answer? If that's what kind of questions they are, y'all just want to answer them for me. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. Deer, right? Okay. Um, we didn't even talk about deer hunting yet. Um, morning, lunch, or evening kill? Turkey. Ooh, I'm gonna take a morning one. Yeah, twelve inch beard or two inch spurs? We're gonna go with the spurs, man. Pop tart or honey bun? Um. Uh, I don't know. It's been a long time since I ate either one, but I'm going to go with Pop-Tart. Waterfowl or deer hunting? We're going to deer. Early season uh, turkey hunting or late season turkey hunting? Ooh, that's all dependent on the situation, my man. That's, that's, that's a hard one to nail down. It all depends on where I'm at. Original bottom land, green leaf, or new bottom land? I'm going to go with the OG. Okay. Hardwood or field bird? Hardwoods always. <laughs> Braves or Georgia Bulldogs? Woo, man, that's a tough one there, buddy. <laughs> I'm going to go with the dogs. I'm going to go with the dogs. I like it. I like it. Uh, another Georgia National Championship or another Grand National win at Nashville? <laughs> oh, man, I'm going with the Grand National win. They're going to be on their own. <laughs> <laughs> they've got two. He, they've got I'm two in the last absorbed, few years. <laughs> I want it for myself. I mean, <laughs> they they want to work their own. They want to work their own way into that one. Last one: varsity or Chick Fil A? Ooh, Chick Fil A. God's oh. chicken. Oh man, I figured you'd have chose varsity. No, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a Chick Fil A fan. I reckon. Yeah. Hey, are you, are you looking forward to anything new at NWTF this year? Like getting around, seeing something new that you haven't saw yet. Uh, man, I, I, not really. I'm just trying to try. Like I said, I, that, the calling and the in the booth. I mean, that that whole place is just an absolute whirlwind. You want to talk about something that you show up to, and when it's over, you just kind of look at everybody around you and say, "What the hell just happened?" That's that's NWTF for us. He's looking forward to being um, right there next to talk about it outdoors in his back door, <laughs> blowing coyote yeah, calls the whole yeah, time. No that's kidding, what he's man. excited no about. Kidding. No kidding. It's usually uh. Yeah, usually the backwoods grind guys that are around the corner. I don't know if they're still close. I hope they are because I usually keep my coffee cup full. So, <laughs> y'all gonna have coffee at y'all's booth? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I, but the backwoods grinds guys are just up from us. I did see that, so they're close okay, enough so to get to. Good, good. Because we, uh, I usually they usually keep my cup full for me so I can stay on edge, run you know, on the jitters, right? You know, Dave. You know, I was I was watching everything Saturday and and down there as we were call- at the calling competition. I meant to bring us up a second ago, but, you know, I think people, probably certain people get around you, probably don't want to bother you at times when they see you. You know, everybody down there on Saturday was in her mindset, but there was one time I just happened to run in the restroom real quick, had to use the restroom, wash my hands real quick, and some old boy was just locked in there with Dave talking about hunting out west. And, and I'm thinking, like, I'm glad that you hold that together so well. Because some people would probably be like, would you just stop talking let me go in out of this bathroom? <laughs> we'll talk out here in a minute. But he had you hemmed up in there, and I thought it was funny. But I, I know that stuff is it's probably hard. But, you know, there's never been not a time, especially in Nashville, that we come by your booth that you're not listening to somebody tell a story about a, probably a bird they've killed or what they've done. And and I'm sure I'm guilty of it too, just like Saturday. I was asking you about scenarios and stuff. But it's, it's pretty good, that, though, that – the level that you are that we we look up to you and the way you still treat people 
Hey, man, um, I put my britches on the same way everybody else does. You know what I mean? I've been given a gift of being put where I'm at. Uh, I know I didn't have a whole lot to do with it. You know, everybody has, you know, everybody, you know, everybody deserves a fair shake. Um, I don't see myself any, you know, I don't have any special gifts. I mean, I feel like there's a million people that could do what I do. It's just uh, the desire and the, and the perseverance has kind of put me here. Um, but if, if I can help anybody else, uh, kill a turkey or accomplish something or enjoy the journey or, or whatever it may be that I can lend them a hand. I mean, who am I to deny them, you know? So I've had a few people do that for me. We just talked about the role that KT had in putting me on my way. Um, who knows what would have happened had he not taken literally 15 seconds out of his, out of his time to just tell me that, like, where would I have been? I may have thrown those calls in the glove compartment of that truck and not, opened them up until the opening day of turkey season and competition calling would have never even been a thing for me. Um, so, you know, um, we all have, have little moments like that that probably steered or directed our life into the path that we chose, you know? So if I perhaps could be that, uh, that steering wheel for somebody else or help them or heck man, just give them a good story to, to share. Um, I'm always there for it. That's right. Dave, I got one more question, and Alex is going to end it here. Um, I don't know if you saw this. I don't know if you follow him, but we've asked several people. Jared Swindle put a video out here a while back about his brother, and he went to this particular gate, and he said he looks for this smell that generally comes up, and it kind of brings him back to a place. Is there a particular smell that you often smell that it brings you back somewhere? Oh, man. Um, Everywhere has a smell. Um, I try to be one of those guys, as you, as you guys know, I slow down and I've, I've gotten to a place to where I ran the rat race for a certain amount of time to where I was, if I killed a turkey, he wouldn't even done flopping and I was trying to get somewhere else. And I, uh, am so ashamed of that. Um, so that's something that, that I've tried to preach in, in, in the platform that I've been given is to slow down, appreciate the process, appreciate the animal, appreciate what he's given, because it may just be a good day for you, but it was life for him. Um, so, um, the sights and the smells and the sounds, I try to soak every little bit of that up and you're going to learn, man, when you start paying attention to those little things, um, man, like the South Florida, the brackish water, the black mud, the, uh, the sand, the palms, man, all that has a smell, um, that cut dirt up in the upper Midwest when they got that black soil and they've got it cut and the little corn's coming out about a couple inches tall. I mean, that stuff has a, just a rich smell. Um, you get down in the bayou, hunt Louisiana and those places and just that, that sour smell of their sloughs and stuff. I mean, everywhere has a smell. Absolutely. You get up in the Midwest and you get around those fir trees and stuff. It smells like a Christmas tree everywhere you go. Um, everywhere has a smell. Yes, yeah, absolutely. That's just another sense, um, that can put you somewhere for sure. For I mean, sure. uh, you know, a good rain, you, you smell those rotten leaves where the leaves are decaying that, that good rain, um, put you in the hardwoods anywhere in the country. I mean, that's, that's the smells that that'll put you there for sure. That's right. I'm good, man. Uh, congratulations on that big buck. I think our buddy, Alan Bullman come up there and helped you guys recover that. Yeah. Him we and forgot, Lance. <laughs> forgot to mention that. Uh, he helps Lance with the, with the dog and the drone and stuff. So, um, yeah, congratulations on oh, that. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So you're talking about the, yeah, the Kentucky deer. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That thing made a J hook awesome. right back down to you, didn't it? Oh yeah, he didn't go far at all, for no, no doubt. Yep, he was. Uh, he he was. 
I got I got Lance has become a buddy of mine since when I when I chatted with him and had to use uh oh Hank what was that gosh that was 2019, um, so Lance is always close he's always on the phone I call him about all all deer recovery questions and when I <laughs> call him he's like well shoot man if you know Lance I'll come on down that way I guess you know and I so I like well y'all come on it's a better safe than sorry, so um yeah yeah we got. Uh, we didn't need him that time, but it was nice knowing he was there. It gives me a sense of satisfaction knowing that I got Hank and, and Lance and those guys on the trail. Shoot, yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. We got there was a drone, the drone of y'all coming back in when, with your buck on there. Alan had made a reel and sent to us for on track. And I said, I, yep. I told Nick, I said, I think that's Dave's buck because Alan had told us that he had went and tracked. <laughs> and we had, I was like, I think that's Dave's buck in there. And then we saw the video and Alan was in there when it dropped. So, yep. Yep, yep, that was it. Hey, I, I know I said three questions ago. It's the last one, but are you bringing Cheyenne's turkey to her, and are you guys entering it in a competition? I plan to bring it. I still have it at the house. Um, I assume that I was going to bring it to NWTF, and that's where it was going to swap hands. Okay, so I didn't know. Uh, yeah, I still have it. Okay, I still got to get it home to her. Yeah, yeah. I'll have a full ride back to Iowa. In this yeah. <laughs> Dave, thanks for coming on here. Alex is going to end this thing. Thanks for thanks for taking our call, and I guess we'll see you, you in bet, a few, man. few weeks at the Georgia State, maybe. Absolutely, yeah. Look forward to seeing you guys, Dave. Like uh, Nick said, we appreciate you coming on and being with us. It's been a been a fun time as always, and um, you know whether you're high on a ridge top or deep in the swamp, you're always sharing and showing an ever evolving sense of appreciation for the life you've been blessed with. Um, the journey you're on is beyond the lens of a camera, and we can't thank you enough for being a part of our journey uh, all the way back to episode 24 and 55 and now episode 205. It's been a long road together, and, and we hope to make many, many, many more memories together. And hopefully one of these days we can get on a hunt one of these, one of these days together. <laughs> yeah, guys, I mean, uh, <clears throat> I appreciate the opportunity of being back on again. It's good to see the success that you guys have had and y'all's involvement with the KT team just makes for you know, it makes me root for you that much more. So I uh, appreciate what you guys have done there. And uh, just uh, you want to chat, give me a call. You know where to find me. Appreciate it, Dave. We'll see you, uh, see you in a few weeks. All righty, buddy. All right, everybody. Dave Owens, what can you say? Penhody Project's doing great things in the outdoor industry, do great things for the KT team, which we're in strong and heavy involvement with. I mean, it kind of may have went a different direction than a lot of people wants it to go. They want to hear all about the turkey hunting yeah. stories and things like that. But, <clears throat> There's not enough time in the night for us to sit here and, and tell all those stories. If you want to see more about the Penhody Project, he said his new videos are coming out in a couple of weeks, so yep. make sure you tune into it on YouTube. I'm sure anybody listening to this that knows Dave is going to do that. Keep up with him on social media, and if you stop by Booth Two, excuse me, I want to pop out on me a little Mountain Dew. <laughs> if you stop by Booth 1229 at NWTF, he'll be right around the corner from us, or. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna I'm gonna say we're, going, we're yeah, right around the corner. Well, he, he's just gonna be right around the corner if you come yeah, by and see us. Y'all go over and talk to Dave. Y'all don't know who that is. <laughs> y'all don't know who Dave is. Well, he's right over there. But we'll be there close by with him and the KT team. It's going to be an amazing opportunity and experience. February 14th through the 18th in Nashville. Any of those dates that you're available, the 15th, 16th, 17th, we'll all be there. Uh, in well, and probably the. Sh- the shape that you uh, you hear us in in all the episodes, ready to talk to folks and right. uh, spend some time with people. So, um, anything else, Cody? No, I'm good. Nick, good brother. Let's roll out on this one, and uh, we'll see y'all in a few weeks. We can't wait for you to uh, to come and visit with us. If you haven't already, make sure you lock in those dates for the NWTF in March 
14th and 15th, the Mill Etowah show at Reformation Brewery will be going on. We'll be down there with a ton of our friends there. So if you're interested in coming by and seeing us, make sure you stop by. Um, appreciate you being here. Thanks again. And get ready for turkey season however you can. And remember, smile as you go, but don't forget, mount the memories. Building the foundation of your life starts at the base, and the stronger it is, the better. Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. A few years back, when an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Are you in need of a decluttering barn or garage slap full of stuff you just don't need? Or is your construction site needing a dumpster? Give our buddy Tony at Georgia Junk and Dumpster Rental a call. With services ranging from junk removal to roll-offs, Georgia Junk is here to help with any and all removal needs. If it's time to get that parking spot back or the boat needs a place inside, Tony and his team can surely assist. Servicing Cherokee, Cobb, Bartow, and surrounding counties, give them a call at 404-406-3501 or check them out on Facebook at Georgia Junk. Clean up the yard in short order with Georgia Junk. 